Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This is the word of the Lord. And our gospel reading is from Matthew, and it's Matthew 16. Hear the gospel of our Lord according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he said to his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say the John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter asked, answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but human concerns. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much uh, for your presence with us here this morning. Lord, we pray as we reflect on these readings, on this, uh, on these concepts. Uh, and the, these, these actions in history. Lord, I pray that you would uh, reveal to us yourself, that we would catch a glimpse of who you are and how much you love us, and that we would be restored to the joy of our salvation this morning. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Should we take our seats? Well, good morning. Um, let me add my welcome to Joe's this morning. It's great to be with you again. Um, I'm still going to be introducing myself as the new curate here for a while until I get to know everyone's names. So uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Aidan. Um, and it, yeah, it's a real pleasure to be with you and share this morning. Um, I, on Monday, looked at the uh, readings for this morning uh, and I was really excited. These are the lectionary readings from the Church of England. Uh, and there's a clear theme that goes through them. There's an additional reading as well from the Old Testament we didn't have, but uh, it's from Numbers 20, and it talks about uh, the same kind of things. So it's kind of a geologist's day today. It's all about rocks. So our our psalm, as we had, uh, recalls an incident in Israel's history where Moses struck a rock. Uh, God, the Israelites came to Moses and Aaron and said, we're in the desert, we're dying of thirst. Uh, and they cried out for help, and, uh, and so Moses went to God, and God said, speak to the rock, and water will come forth. But Moses was thinking, actually, I've got to do something a bit grander than this, and so he struck the rock with his staff twice, and water, yes, came forth, but actually God knew that Moses had disobeyed him. He hadn't done everything he said, and that's what Psalm 95 recalls. It encourages Israel to learn from Moses' story and always put their trust in the Lord, the rock of their salvation. And then our reading from Matthew that we just had picks up on this theme once again as Peter, whose name means rock, is hailed. Uh, as he says, you know, he said, declares to Jesus, I, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, uh, the Son of the Holy, uh, the Son of God. And Jesus says, on this rock, on this declaration, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is the true rock of salvation. So yes, it's a geologist's day, love of rocks. And there are clear lessons we can learn, but something that I really uh, thought about on Monday and through the week, um, maybe because I had a bit of a frustrating Monday, but I was really challenged by verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 95. I'll read them again. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And that second verse, actually, it uses the same phrase, sing for joy, in the Hebrew. Some translations will say, let us sing for joy with thanksgiving and extol him with music. So joy was this concept that really, and I think it was because I was in a shop for an hour just being frustrated by like various things going on. I was like, oh, I'm not being very joyful at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I felt like I was losing something. And I was just kind of reminded by the question, you know, what does it mean to have joy? Uh, a Christian joy. So joy is a word that we, we hear of, I think, quite a lot in church. Um, I think it's something we read a lot of in the Bible. But what is joy? If you look at the dictionary, then the definition is to be exceedingly happy. But I think a Christian joy is, is a far deeper sense than this. I don't think it means just to be happy. I think Christian joy is something that's longer lasting. It, it is linked to peace. In, uh, when we look at the, uh, in Galatians 5, the list of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, they all come together. 
God is a, a God of joy, an eternal joy. And that is the Christian joy that we're talking about. That's the joy he wants for us. And this concept of joy and finding joy in our salvation is something that I think has uh, had quite a big, um, big part. It's been a big part of my life and my, my Christian journey. I, uh, I didn't grow up going to church, but a friend of mine invited me along when I was about 14, 15. And a couple of years later, I did become a Christian. I, I believed it all. I believed God existed. I believed Jesus lived, died, rose again, and he loved me. And he died for my sins. I got that. And I was like, right, I'm a Christian. Now I have to be a good Christian. I have to do all the right things. I have to say all the right things. I can't hang out with those people. I need to go and speak to those people. I need to convert this many people. I need to do... And do you know what? Very quickly, Christianity became just a list of rules and regulations. It wasn't very graceful. It wasn't very joyful. In fact, it was just a bit boring. Because I had all these things that I was doing. And, you know, every time I'd slip up, I'd be like, oh, I'm such a bad Christian. And it would hit me. And I, and I wasn't living a joyful existence. I wasn't living life to the full, as Jesus promised us. I went to university at this point, And to be fair, the temptations of life, other people seemed to be having much more fun than I was. And actually, I decided, you know what? I'll go and do that instead. And I went away from church, and I, and I, I kind of wandered away. And I was seeking after worldly pleasures and worldly joys and happiness. But in reality, I just discovered that that's, that's a bit meaningless. It took about four years. Uh, as I was finishing university, I kind of realized and came to a realization. Do you know what? God's joy is so much better. There is so much deeper, this deeper sense of joy in Jesus Christ. I kind of got again the gift of grace. That Christianity is not just a list of rules and regulations. But it's a, it's a deep sense of joy and the gift of grace in Jesus. Amen? Amen. But I, I may be wrong, but I think this is sometimes something we can all struggle with. You know, in, in British culture, we're, we're famously uh, uh, a bit grey in our, in our sense. We, we love to have a moan, don't we? We love to have a grumble. We love to, you know, that I, I always think that uh, in, in a some way, British sense of pride is, is uh, we, we, we groan, moan about our own lives, but we moan about other people's more than that. So we feel we might be okay. Sometimes we can... You know, you look at Americans, and we, we find them nauseatingly positive. But I think maybe that's because we're a little bit negative in ourselves. I may be wrong, but I think this sometimes infects the church. I think sometimes we can lose sight of joy uh, and, and this energy and passion that, that the, the gospel really should provoke. I may be just talking to the English. I think Joe, as a Welshman, would disagree with me. There, there's much more joy over there. But we need to find joy in our salvation. We need to remember the joy in our faith. Um, before Kathy and I got married, we did some marriage preparation. We met with a, a couple of couples from our church and who kind of gave us some wisdom. Now imagine if we, as planning to get married, if, the, if these couples had just said, yeah, so we've been married for 25 years and uh, really we can't stand each other and we just kind of stay together because we don't believe in getting separating. I'm not going to turn to Kathy and go, that's what I want for our marriage. <laughs> that's what I want for our... No. Similarly, if we're not joyful and finding our joy in our salvation, how in the world is anyone going to want to follow us and come and join us in this, in this amazing Christian journey? So we need to find joy. And then we come to the Bible. And 
Yes, we have these verses and encouragements in Psalm 95 to sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud about the rock of our salvation. But you know what? The Bible is full of messages about joy. And there are some that are more like commands. So Philippians 4.4, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That's a command. He's telling the people in Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. Isaiah said, Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Psalm 37 says, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. These are commands. These are something we are told to do as people of God. We are told to be joyful. As much as we don't want to be, we are told to be joyful. But as much as it being a command, actually there's far more in the Bible about joy being a gift. Joy is a gift of God. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and are filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. John 15.11, Jesus tells his disciples, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete joy, that sounds awesome. And a chapter later, so with you, now is your time of grief. This is talking about his death. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. And I could go on. There's, there's verses and verses about how God gives us joy. As I said, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But I, and we need to remember this. We need to find this. Imagine you're in a desert, much like the people of Israel. You're in a desert, and you're dying of thirst. And you're, 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 you're desperate for water. If you came across a well, uh, you would be obviously quite happy. But imagine this well that you see is full of foul water, toilet water, just absolutely stinking water. But if you've got nothing else to do, what are you going to do? You're going to drink from that water. You're going to drink from uh, that thing. Even if it's going to make you ill, you're going to have to drink from that water. And in many ways, that is... That well is like the joys and pleasures of this world. Things that we look to in our own strength. It might be uh, drinking, it might be hanging out with certain people, it might be uh, certain relationships that, are, that seem good on the surface but really aren't. It might be, I don't know what it is, but there are many ways in which the world offers us pleasures, but actually they're short-lived and they probably don't mean anything. They probably don't last. They might even make us feel worse in the, in the long run. That's what I experienced in my life and my journey. Now go back to the desert. Imagine next to this stinking well, on the other side, there is a, a river of flowing, beautiful, crystal clear water that is fresh, life-giving, perfect, sustaining. What are you going to do? Of course you're going to go to that water. Of course you're going to drink from that. That's something that's going to sustain you. And looking back at the well, it no longer looks appealing in any way, shape or form. You're not going to go to that again. Christianity, the gospel, is that, is that stream of living water. It is, offers joy beyond imagination, joy beyond the worldly pleasures in this life. It offers things that are sustaining and eternal. So what do we do with this, this kind of encouragement to seek joy? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is seek joy now. And we have to seek joy today. I think, I think there's, a, there's a phrase to think, I'll be joyful, I'll be happy, I'll be better off when. 
that phrase when I think is very, t- very damaging. I'll be joyful when I do something. You know, if we think of teenagers, I'll be joyful when I finish my exams. Uh, but the reality is exams go on forever. So I'll be joyful when I leave home and go to university or start a job. Uh, but actually, there's a lot of pressures that come with that as well. I'll be joyful when I get into a relationship. I'll be joyful when I get married. I'll be joyful when I have children. And then you have children, and it's really tiring. <laughs> and I'll be joyful when they're a bit older. And then they're teenagers, and teenagers. Oh. And then I'll be joyful when they leave home. And then when they've left home, you, you miss them. It's a bit pithy, I know. But I think, it, it very quickly, it's possible to always think, I'll be joyful when, and that joyful when never comes. It never happens. So we need to be joyful now. Don't wait for a day when we might be happy or get round to being joyful. Be joyful today. Seek joy now. And the other encouragement is to not do this on your own. Christian joy is not a a solo endeavour. There is no such thing as solo Christianity. Psalm 95 says that it's a plural thing. It says, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him. I find the encouragements of others massive in my joy. If I'm going to be joyful, you know, I listen to people share of what God is doing in their life and it warms my heart. It makes me joyful. As a community, as a church, let's encourage one another. Let's be a little bit American, a bit, a bit positive and praise, you know, talk of the positive things in life. Talk of what God is doing because when things aren't easy, actually seeing that God is on, at work and, and in, in a community way, Do you know what? That gives us the joy to carry on. That gives us the joy that is sustaining because actually as a people, we can know joy. And to finish, I just want us to imagine what would it be like if we did this? If us as a whole church, as a whole church in this area in Bristol, Downend, maybe even beyond, if we really got this message of joy, the joy of our salvation, imagine what that would look like to the world. You know, we are a bit negative a lot, you know, and life is tough. People know life is tough. Everyone in this room know there's uh, times in life when it is tough. But when we come back to uh, a God who is eternally a joy giver, eternally giving peace and hope and love, when we look to him for sustenance rather than like instant happiness or short-term happiness from the things the world offers, imagine if we as a church did that. That would look different. That looks like a church I want to be a part of. Amen? Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you so much for the joy you bring and the joy you give. Thank you so much that Jesus offered your joy to us. Lord, I pray that this morning we may know that truth of that statement, that your joy is in us. And through that, your joy, uh, our joy is complete. Help us to, as a people to, and as a church, to be people of joy, to be a church of joy, to encourage one another, so that even when things are tough, even when life uh, and, and, and various things get in the way, and stumbling blocks come. Actually, no, we are a people of deep-rooted joy. 
because we have you, Jesus. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.